0: it's radio free 501c the podcast of rogue tulips consulting thanks for joining us this week and please don't forget to subscribe this week one of my favorite guests is back joy dueling from the joy of membership will be here with us and we're going to be discussing implementing the idea yes you can we've broken the 200 barrier welcome to episode 201 Hey, everybody, it's Monday, June 26th, and that means it's time for another episode of Radio Free 501c, the podcast of Red Tulips Consulting. I'm Cecilia Supp, your host. I am a certified association executive and a certified nonprofit professional, and welcome to this week's episode. To our global audience, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. I am so excited and really looking forward to this week's episode because my friend and colleague Joy Dooling is returning and we have a fantastic topic this week. We're going to be talking about implementing the idea. Joy Dooling has a company called the Joy of Membership and a software package called Journey Care. So Joy, welcome to the show. Would you like to say hello to the audience and tell us some more about yourself and your company?
1: Well, hello, thank you for the very warm introduction. I'm so excited to be back here with you. Um, As Cecilia mentioned, um, I run a company called The Joy of Membership. Um, I have been working with associations, trade groups, membership-based nonprofits since 2005, so about 18 years now. And I spend most of my time helping organizations look at their member experience, um, build in automations, and try to um, improve their member care.
0: And it is a fantastic package. If you have not checked it out, I have checked it out. Uh, I've had the demo. It's even better than when I saw the demo a few years ago. So check it out. If you're looking for a new software package for your membership, Uh, what it, what is great about her company is, first of all, it is the joy of membership and joy is very joyful and always (laughs) a joy to be around. But one of the things that uh, the company represents, at least to me, uh, is, is implementing an idea. Joy, you came up with this concept. You said, you know, there has to be a better way for associations to manage the membership database and use that technology to enhance the member experience. So, what were some of the things you learned as you were going along and implementing this idea? What were some big takeaways that you found?
1: So, I think the you know big impetus behind um, doing journey care was that most membership software out there is very transactional. You know, you can sign people up, you can renew them. Um, the software is great about doing things, but it. Fail to recognize that there's a lot that happens in between those two points in the relationship, and I really wanted my clients to be able to design the type of member experiences that are um, relational, that um, you know uh, nurture and engage, and you know keep people connected in between the sign up and renewal stages. So, you know, for me, this was about um, creating a change in how we approach membership. Um, and as soon as you start talking about change, you start talking about organizations are like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but, but, (laughs) but, or they're talking about it now. And six months later, they're still talking about the same thing or a year later, (laughs) they're still talking about the same thing. So, um, it kind of pushed me into this whole big world of, okay, how do you plan for change, make change happen, keep people
0: moving along the path of change, all those sorts of things. You know, and that is a great observation because like you, I am a a doer. I, I come up with an idea. I figure out, well, how can I make that idea happen? You know, how long will it take? What resources do I need? All of those questions we ask, but because I am a doer, because I am a solopreneur like yourself, I don't think about the change part. I'm, I just think this is something that needs to happen, but you're right. Change is, is part of it because you're changing something, uh, how you do things, how you approach things. So you and I, in prepping for this episode, you mentioned how analysis paralysis can get in the way of implementing an idea. So could you share some thoughts on that?
1: Sure. I mean, I just think like, um, you know, we as individual people, sometimes when we have to make a change or we have to make a decision, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by the um, by the change that needs to happen, by all of the steps, by all of the choices, and it just paralyzes us. So um, we call that state analysis paralysis. It is the same thing with organizations, you know, organizations that even though they know they need to make a change change if there's not a you know driving force that makes them make the change it's really easy to get stuck in analysis paralysis for them as well and it's kind of like these you know, individuals (laughs) who have uh, the potential for analysis paralysis, you stick them around a boardroom table, and all of a sudden you have group (laughs) analysis paralysis, because, you know, everybody has different thoughts, everybody has different personalities. Like I said, you and I are quick starts, Mm -hmm. but that is not necessarily the type of personality that you're going to have with everybody around the table. So, you know, all sorts of um, pitfalls to work around as you're trying to get this group To move forward, even if everybody knows that the change actually needs to happen. There's all of these things that have to
0: fall into place for them to actually implement the idea. And that is another great point, because again, solopreneurs, we're solopreneurs, so we can just make decisions and act. But when you're working with a group, you're working with an association board of directors or any kind of nonprofit board of directors. You're going to be looking at trying to get everybody focused, uh, first of all. And second of all, getting them to understand it's okay to change. I know during the lockdown, that was a big problem. Uh, boards didn't want to do anything because they were afraid they'd do the wrong thing. That was something else that uh, you had mentioned. I believe you call that the paradox of choice. So what? how can the paradox of choice get in the way?
1: Well, we live in a world where we have all sorts of choices as consumers, as organizations. You know, when we decide that we want to implement a software or, you know, solve a problem or buy a copier, there is a plethora of choices that are available to us. Now, Years ago, maybe there weren't as many choices. There are, you know, one or two brands or one or two paths um, to the solution to the problem. But that just isn't, that just isn't the situation now. You have so many choices that just the existence of all of those choices can get us stuck with feeling like we have to research all of them to know that we're choosing exactly the right one. And again, you combine um, people around the table. (laughs) Everybody has to be comfortable with the decision and it just expounds the problem.
0: Well, and I think people forget that they can change their mind later on. And I don't mean change their mind as in tank the whole project, but that they can make adjustments when things happen. Oh, well, we were doing this. It didn't work. So now we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think be you know convincing people it's okay to be flexible. It's okay to change the path as you're going along. Actually, uh, earlier this month, I wrote a blog post called Musings on Milestones. And I, I talked about how so many things in my career just in the last five years have changed. They were not at all what they started out to be. And that's a good thing because we understand we have to choose. You, you have to make a choice. You have to go left or right. You have to go up or down. You have to say yes or no. You have to choose. And that's actually uh, one of my favorite quotes from the 90s television series, Xena Warrior Princess. And and a a character asked her, well, well, what should I do? How, How do I handle this? And she said, you have to choose. And that is really what we all have to do. We have to choose. And I think the paradox of choice is directly related to analysis paralysis, although it's probably the second step because the analysis paralysis comes in with the initial data. And then the paradox of choice comes in when now I have all this data, what the heck do I do with
1: (laughs) So, Well, I also think that, um, you know, the fear of making a wrong choice is very real, but I tend to look at it from the perspective of, you know, even if you don't stick with exactly what you're planning to do today. Like maybe you've chosen to go left instead of right. That doesn't mean you're stuck with left forever. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to learn things about the left path that are going to, you know, make you veer it (laughs) a little bit, you know, another three degrees to the right kind of thing. So, you know, I look at it as learning opportunities. It's like, any decision you make you're going to learn from and you're going to continue to iterate on it
0: and i think that is a powerful word that many of us don't use enough iterate iterate yeah because everything's an iteration of what came before you're building on it uh if you think about archaeology archaeologists excavate tells and what tells are they're the levels of experience and life and what you're finding there so it is everything in a city like the ancient city of troy for example is actually many cities built on the same site and so that's iterative because people kept building or adding on on top of something else and we can do that as part of the decision making process so joy you had mentioned that there are four things that you look at When you see that maybe a group is having trouble making that decision, maybe it's the paradox of choice. So could you share with the audience what those four things are? Sure. So
1: um, very roughly, if an organization is having a hard time moving forward on a change that they know they need to make, it's usually one or more of these four things is getting in the way. They don't know what to do, so they know they have a problem but they don't know exactly what they have to do to solve it. Um, they don't know how to do it. So maybe they know what they need to do but they don't know how to do that. They The third thing is um, they don't have what they need to do it. So maybe they feel like they don't have the budget, they don't have the people power, there's something that they need to do it that they don't feel like they have And then the fourth thing is they don't have the alignment of leadership, like not everybody's in agreement. It could be that there's not agreement on the board. It could be that there's one person that they know is really key to it, who's going to like drag their feet. But it's usually one of those four things. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They don't have what they need to do it, or they don't
0: have the alignment of leadership. And I think that is probably the thing that gets in the way the most uh, with any decision that any board makes or any group is trying to make, actually. I mean, if any of us have said to people, well, where do you want to go for lunch? And they also, say, oh, I don't know, or I don't care. And I just say, fine, we'll have pizza. Because if they don't like pizza, they're going to push back. <laughs> and I think maybe we need to do that more with our boards. Just say, you're getting pizza. And then they said, well, "We'd rather have hamburgers than you have something to work with, right?" Um, so <laughs> meals are a good analogy, but you also mentioned that you think moving is a good analogy for trying to <laughs> implement an idea and get past some of these issues. Well, i I definitely think it's a good analogy,
1: and it could also be just because it is so fresh on my mind. <laughs> my My husband and I are going through a move right now. So we are moving from the community where we live now to a community where he got a job about 70 miles away. So we are moving from a four bedroom house with lots of storage space into our first empty nest place, like a two bedroom, much smaller house. And the change is absolutely necessary. I mean, we know we have to make this move. So uh, we know the change that we need to make. <laughs> we, we know that we have to make it. We know <laughs> that everything has to get packed in boxes and moved. But still, even though we've known about it for months, we procrastinated on it. We were overwhelmed by it. Um, it <laughs> and it, it's all <laughs> the same things that an organization um, faces when they know they need to make a change. Um, and they may even know like, we have to take things and put them in boxes (laughs) to make the change, but (laughs) actually getting there, there's so many other things that, that get in the way. So we had to sit down and break it up into pieces. Like the only way that I was going to get started on like packing the mean floor of the house was I had to take things down off the walls. Mm -hmm. That was like what, what pushed it forward. Until then I was completely overwhelmed with the, you know, just starting the move. But as soon as I got, you know, things off the walls and that started being a blank slate, then I could like take the next step forward. We were never going to get the stuff out of our attic. If we hadn't hired a couple of college age boys to come over men, college age men (laughs) to come over and (laughs) carry all the big heavy boxes, you know, from the hundred degree attic down the stairs into our garage where we could start sorting. So it was really a matter of, you know, stepping back and looking at it. Do we know what to do? Do we know how to do it? Is it, we don't have the resources to do it. (laughs) And then the alignment of leadership comes in. My husband and I had to be (laughs) in agreement on what needed to happen. So like all of those elements were there. And I think anybody who's ever had to move can relate to that um, example.
0: Yes, and I think that is a great example of how we can get paralyzed with, when when you think about everything on your walls, everything on your display shelves, all the magazines you have, all the books you have, if you look at those things as data and you're trying to understand how does it all fit together and do I need all this data, you can kind of relate it to cleaning out your database, like which records do I still need if I'm migrating my data to a new system, do I need all these fields or what, what do I need? Uh, it, because exactly. it is a, very overwhelming. So I think moving's a great uh, analogy for that because we've all moved at least once. Uh, so, you know, I know we had our challenges moving because first of all, we didn't move very many times. And then we moved from a larger townhouse to a smaller Cape Cod. And so there were a lot of challenges just there, but it's really uh, somebody has to make a choice and somebody has to make that decision. And if the group can make the decision together, that's great, but somebody needs to guide that decision and, and how it, and make sure that it actually happens as a, in addition, I should say, not opposed to, but in addition to guiding the decision-making process. So what are some uh, things that you learned personally uh, about implementing an idea, because you and I, again, are implementers come up with ideas, hey, we make that thing happen, but we both kind of learned it, you know, from experience. So are are there any things you've learned along the way and not just recently with this move, but maybe just other things like when you launched your own business or or any other project that you've done on your own?
1: Yeah, so one of the other big change management projects that come to mind was actually before I started my own business. um, I worked for our state's child welfare agency, and we were doing a major reform um, at the agency. And, you know, if you've ever had to shift a large organization from the way they've been practicing for years to, you know, new standards, new processes, new computer system, all of that was wrapped up in, you know, this project. And so part of what I learned there was, you know, again, how to break down the change into pieces, into stages, um, how to get the right people around the table to, um, you know, discuss what needs to happen, um, to champion the change that needs to happen. Um, you know, so for my entire career, I've really been, um, you know, involved in that sort of work and it's always had the same stages, you know, know what you need to do, figure out how to do it, align your leadership, make sure you have the resources, So, um, you know, looking at any change that's required, you know, through those lenses uh, makes a difference. I've just seen that play out over and over.
0: And I think, uh, that is another excellent example of how you can implement something, especially working with other people. But that got me thinking you had to come up with the ideas to make that happen in that job. So, do you have any favorite tips or techniques for ideation? We talked about iteration already, but how do you ideate? Do you do it alone? Do you brainstorm alone? Do you like to bounce ideas off others? Well, ideas can come from anywhere. I mean, and there's no there's no shortage
1: <laughs> of ideas out there. So I think it's a matter of um, you know, listening to conferences, connecting with other people in your in your niche area and beyond looking at what's happening in other industries and, you know, what could be relevant to what you're doing. I personally love to listen to podcasts. I find that my my brain sparks in all different sorts of ways from the podcasts I listen to. And I'm always thinking about, you know, what does this, what does this mean for my company? What does this mean for clients? So I think it is kind of keeping your brain open to the ideas that are out there. And then, um, yes, it, I mean, obviously I am a, a, I'm a leader of a very small team here, but you know we can have team discussions, but for clients who are with larger organizations, being able to ping those ideas across the management team or across the board um, in strategic retreats, I mean, it, it really is a matter of staying open And then, you know, creating opportunities to have those conversations around the table.
0: And I think it's also being open to other people's suggestions and ideas. So we may have an idea and then somebody else might say, "Eh, but, you know, this one's more practical. And a recent example for me from my personal life is uh, I helped organize our community garden tour. So we have a community association and I'm not on the board, but I'm an active volunteer. And so a, a neighbor who's a friend of mine and I decided we would organize this garden tour. Well, I took the lead and my idea was, well, why don't we have people buy tickets at this community garden in the neighborhood, and then we can give them their map and they can walk around and everything. And then my friend is helping me pointed out you and I need a bathroom and a place <laughs> to sit down. And I said, you know, you're right. I hadn't thought of that. And she said, so unless we have a place that does go to the bathroom. The garden is not a good idea, this small community garden. And I was like, oh, and she's like, and I'm not gonna stand up all day. So forget that, <laughs> I was like, okay. So she really pointed out. And I said, you know, that really is a flaw in my thinking. So we're, you know, we moved the ticket booth, you know so it was a great idea, but it wasn't a practical idea. And so I was willing to say, you know what, it's not practical, make it a stop on on the way. But uh, those sorts of things uh, really are important because we may think we have a great idea, may think it's a fun idea, and then you start talking to other people and they're like, yeah, not so much, (laughs) you know, you need to fix that. So, and that's really kind of my process with ideation on things. I get a concept or an idea and I tend to like write it down and I think about it for two or three months and kind of let it simmer and and I get more input. Like you, I like to listen to things. I, I like to I, I'll be honest, I have a podcast but I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I probably should. but I, I like to listen to the news. I like to be in webinars. I, go, I do a lot of webinars and I like to read a lot. So and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I listen to a lot of nonfiction audiobooks as well. And so my brain gets going to, because of that, because I'm like, oh, well, there's an idea. I could do something like that, or, or maybe I could do that. And then after I get these ideas, I, you know, I talk to two or three other people and say, here's this idea. I have this concept because I kind of take the approach concept idea action. So you have this concept, like here's, here's something, I think it could be something, but I'm not sure. And then you talk it through and that becomes an idea. And then you take action and you implement it. And so that's my process. I, I don't just do everything myself like, oh, I'm going to just do X. You know, I, I think about it, get some more info, talk to other people, find out, you know, what they think. And if they think it would, if one, it's a good idea. And two, is it practical? Can we do it? Uh, that happens a lot with some of the course. Well, I shouldn't say some, all the courses, actually, all the courses that I develop. I talk to people and say, what do you think? Is this a good idea? Oh, yes, yeah, great idea. So uh, whether or not people sign up for them is another thing, but that's a, that's another thing for another show. But deal, yeah.
1: have you ever used any um, like brainstorming tools, like um, pull everywhere where like you can um, ask a question and then have people respond in real time and it will create like a word cloud or a list
0: or things like that? No, I never do that. I am old school. I use pen and paper (laughs) i write uh, but no i've never asked people that what is that called again poll story um poll everywhere Pull
1: everywhere everywhere. and so um this works for a group of people um in person or virtual where you can put out questions and have them respond and you can have different formats for you know the Um, how the answers look. And one of my favorites is the word cloud that can be created. So you could ask a group, like, you know, what do you, where do you think the barriers are going to be in making this change? And just have them brainstorm. And they're like typing in whatever words come to their mind. And what Poll Everywhere is doing is it's creating this word cloud. And so like every time, you know, people have the same word in what they type it makes that word bigger you know so you'll end up getting this word cloud where you know the things that the more people are concerned about are going to be bigger and the things that are like small things are going to be smaller and it's just a a way to like um idiot like like you said like you know, get all the ideas out there, kind of shake them loose. And people will have additional ideas as they see like this, because the word cloud is being created in real time.
0: So as they see the things popping up, it will, um, you know, trigger more ideas. And that is very similar to how SurveyMonkey can create a word cloud based on your data. So the more often, just like you said, the more often something comes up, the bigger the word becomes. That's a really exactly. good idea. I didn't know about that. See, here we are ideating. How do we? Do that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like to use it when I'm doing um, presentations or when I'm facilitating meetings, um, especially like with strategic planning. And you could talk about, you know, the changes that are on the horizon, pressures that the organization is facing, those sorts of things. And um, yeah, it's just a really cool tool.
0: I love that, you know, because I do strategic planning, too. So that's a good tool to, to have for that, because I think that's more fun, probably, than writing on the easel pads all the time, although there's yeah. a place for that, too. <laughs> but uh, no, that's really that is such a great idea. So when it comes to implementing, though, now we all know it's easy to come up with an idea. And then once you have the idea, it's pretty easy to come up with a plan. But then how do you get people to actually do the plan? Do you have any suggestions? Well, I think breaking
1: it up into doable pieces is um, important. Of course, we've mentioned that a couple of times. Um, Being realistic about the resources that you have available, I find that I work a lot with small membership organizations. And sometimes their plans for what they can do on their own are a little ambitious for being 100% people powered. So you have to be realistic about, you know, the resources that you actually have and, you know, where do you need to plug in help um, to be able to move it forward? Um, But really those, those two things are probably the most critical, like breaking it down into pieces that are actually manageable and making sure that you have the people who are able to do it and are in um, support of doing it because you certainly don't want the naysayers
0: dragging things down. Then that relates to one of your points about, do you have the resources or not? And I think that's, that's an excellent point too, about, uh, smaller groups need to be more realistic about, it's not that you can't do everything, but you can't do everything at the same time. You
1: can't do everything at the same time. And you might have to make modifications to what you want to do so that it fits your budget. So maybe you can't do this entire idea, but you can move in that direction rather than being stuck in the, we don't have the people power. We don't have the budget. Like what would you have the people power and the budget to do? Like what would move you in that direction?
0: Well, and that's great advice. And I also think people. Become their own obstacles because they say, well, if we can't do the whole thing, we're not going to do it at all. We're not going to do exactly. it. But I have a saying uh, do what you can when you can with what you've got. Because there's never perfect data, there's never a perfect situation, and there's never a perfect environment. And you just don't know what's going to happen. So there's no perfect decision either. And that brings us back to a lot of your points about how people make decisions, acting on them and getting out of their own way.
1: I also think, I also would encourage organizations to think about creating a container around the project, because often when you're talking about making a change, it can take as much time as you let it have. It's kind of like water spreads to fill out the space available. (laughs) A project can spread to take out the, the space that is available to it. So keeping it in a specific container of time makes a big difference too. So, you know, we are going to make this change happen by this date. Like this quarter, this is what we were focusing on. Like putting that tight container around it can help you make the decisions more quickly and can set the expectation for your volunteers or your team members or whoever has to work on that. That is also a very important part of implementing.
0: And I think that is a great note to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, Looking forward to having you back, of course, already. I'm already thinking about what can we talk about next time Joy's on the show. So, but you've been on before, you know that I like to ask my guests, what's the one thought you would like the audience to take away today? And then how could they get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about you and your ideas and journey care? Well,
1: I would say the thought to leave on for today is that, you know, this pod this podcast episode is going to air, you know, mid-year. So you are at a perfect point in time to be looking at what were the changes that we were talking about making this year? Have we made it? You know, have we made movement in that direction? And if you haven't, are these these pieces that we've talked about today, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to do it? I'm not having what you need to do it, or the alignment of leadership are any of those things the thing that is keeping you from being able to make forward progress on that goal? Mid year is the perfect time to look at that. Um, in terms of how to get in touch with me, um, if you like listening to podcasts, I have my own podcast, um, the Joy of Membership podcast. I would invite you to come check it out. I'd love to see you become a listener. Um, I hang out on LinkedIn mostly for, um, the social networking. So be sure we're connected there. Um, I'd love to meet you. Tell me you um, heard me on Celia's podcast. (laughs) I would uh, love to connect with you. And then,
0: um, website joy membership and, um, journeycare.app. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And you always have such wonderful energy. And I hope that it's coming through to the audience uh, through our podcast, because you have wonderful energy. And I always feel inspired after talking to you. Oh, thank you. So, well, we have to go rogue for now, everyone, but uh, we're going to be back next week with another exciting episode and in-depth conversation about issues of importance to nonprofits. If you'd like to learn more about how Rogue Tulips Consulting can help you bloom outside the box, check out our website, RogueTulips.com. We have a list of services on the services page, but that doesn't mean we're, that's all we do. So if there's some other project you want to talk about, give us a call. If you are looking for education to uh, increase your professional development as a nonprofit manager or even a volunteer, then check out the 501CLeague.net. Our courses are geared toward people who already have the Certified Association Executive designation or who are working towards that. Also, if you're just a curious sort like myself, check it out. We may have a course of interest to you, and we're launching our first on-demand courses this fall, starting in August, so check those out as well. Uh, We're going to go rogue for now, but on behalf of Joy and myself, we'll see you next time.